Hosea chapter 2, verse 14. Therefore, behold, I will allure her and will bring her into the wilderness and speak comfort to her. I will give her her vineyards from there in the valley of Achor as a door of hope. And she shall sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the day when she came up out of the land of Egypt. We're going to end our little series that we've been doing on allure. And we've been talking them out of the Song of Solomon. And we ended last week in dealing with establishing intimacy with God. Uh, everybody go to Song of Solomon chapter 1 verse 8 just to recap real quick. Song of Solomon 1 8. There was three areas that we dealt with in commitment to the body to refuse unsanctified isolation. The second thing we dealt with last week was a commitment to servant ministry to refuse unsanctified idleness. And the third thing was commitment to spiritual authority, to refuse unsanctified independence. And uh, those three areas, basically, somebody would look at that and say, How, what does that have to do with intimacy with God? I'm going to take it even further for a few moments today with you, but help you understand something, that intimacy with God, is not based on a feeling. It is based on a commitment. Now Elizabeth's going to be teaching this stuff pretty heavy uh, for eight weeks at the Whitman, so you're going to get a little more flavor of it. What You would say, why are we pushing that? One of the reasons is you're not going to do what you need to do as a sheep if you're not in love with the shepherd. John 10 is very clear. If the sheep hear my voice, there's a response. And I'm going to tell you that the church of Jesus Christ, we, as the church, we need to start responding to the Master, but we won't because we're not in love with Him. Okay? Now, there is just a real heaviness this morning and, and just something that I'm not used to. It's been a while since I've had to battle some of the stuff that we're battling. And so you're just, if I stop and go somewhere, there's a reason for it, trust me. Uh, and I don't worry. Now, I want everybody to look up here as my granddaughter's making her exit. She is the most cute, cutest child. Anything she wants, I will arrange for it to happen. I'm not concerned right now, and I want you to hear this, about attendance. How many rears are in the seats? That's not my concern. I never get concerned about that. What I do get concerned is lack of passion. I do not believe as a believer in this hour, in this culture, in this city, in this area... You can be a believer that stands very long if you don't have a passion for Jesus Christ. Right. And I think, I think there's danger that's going on. In fact, we're, we're, we're picking up the pieces of, da- of, of things all the time that where people went to church, but they weren't passionate about the Jesus of the church. Right. And there's a big difference between the church and the Jesus of the church. And so when we talk about intimacy 
and being committed to the body and being committed, you know, unsanctified idleness and unsanctified isolation and unsanctified independence. And, and I want everybody to turn to Psalms 92 because we're going to spend a couple minutes there before we finish up with being a Lord. When you understand that you, there's somebody going, man, I, I just thought I was just supposed to love Jesus. I didn't know I, I had to be committed to a body and committed to being a servant and committed to spiritual authority. Let me tell you something. You, if, you don't think, if, you, if you don't believe that, go, when, when you look at the life of Peter, who is my, my favorite disciple because Peter and I relate a lot to each other because we're always in trouble. And, but, but Peter, after he denies Jesus... Jesus did not put him through a 12-step program of recovery. You know what he told Peter? Peter, do you love me? Well, Jesus, I mean, this is after failure. Jesus, of course I love you. Then take 12-step recovery program and, and, no, he didn't do that. He sticks him right in the ministry. He goes, go feed my sheep. Most people in church today, if they fail want attention placed on them and people to be real easy with them because they failed. Jesus didn't operate that. He says, Peter, do you love me? Of course I love you. Then go feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Of course I love you. Then go feed my sheep. He wasn't, wouldn't let up on it. Peter, do you love me? Of course I love you. Go feed my sheep. Then Peter has to argue with Jesus. Well, what about John? And what about these guys? You know, Jesus says, it's no concern of yours. Go do what I told you to do. And I think there's this idea in our mind that intimacy comes out of, out of just this utopian devotional life. Right. You know where intimacy with Jesus comes out of? When you're feeding the sheep. Because you realize if I don't love Jesus, I'm not going to love these sheep. And so there's this fear that gets into you. I better fall in love with Jesus because for some reason he loves these sheep as stinky and as rotten as they are. He loves these sheep and he's got a heart after this sheep. So what it propels you, what was he telling Peter? Peter, know my heart. Become acquainted and see, see, you've come through a lot of stuff and you're the remnant that's remaining. And I'm going to tell you something, the remnant that's remaining needs to fall in love with his heart. There's enough people in here to start a church of thousands. But you're going to have to start understanding the heart of Jesus. The heart of Jesus is, do you love me? Yes, Jesus, I've, I've read my Bible today. I read three verses. I prayed for 30 seconds and I gave tithe in the offering. Well, sort of, it was only 2%, but, you know, who's doing numbers? And, um, and, and, you know, and that was only for last month. I don't know, you know, how it goes. But, you know, as soon as I can afford to, we'll get that right. And, and we go through all this stuff that we think is charming to Jesus. And Jesus is going, I just want you to feed my sheep. I want you to feed my sheep. You, because here's, you know what he's telling Peter? Get your eyes off yourself. Stop looking at your problem and look at the sheep. He, Jesus was so intent about sheep. He's so big on sheep. Now, Psalms 92, verse 12. The righteous... Flourish like a palm tree. I love palm trees. 
I love every kind of palm tree. I love palm trees and white sandy beaches. I love palm trees, white sandy beaches, and 85 degree temperatures with just a slight breeze. I love palm trees, white sandy beaches, 85 degrees, slight breeze with beautiful blue ocean. Surfer out there just a little ways. I really think Oregon needs to take that on. You know what I'm saying? I'm serious. Uh, Because who can be depressed? The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. And those who are planted, now look at this, those who are planted where? In the house of the Lord. You want your intimacy to grow. There has to become a planting in the house of the Lord. You have to be planted in the house of the Lord. Now, one thing, I'm an, I'm an observant guy. And uh, we spend at least one or two weeks a year down in Palm Springs, among, you know, Palm Desert out there in, in the Indio. We, oh, man, ooh, that's good stuff in the palm trees and, and everything. I've noticed something about palm trees, though. They don't walk around. I've never, I, you know, we're not, we've never dro- driven down Highway 111 there, going from town to town and go, oh, look, Elizabeth, there's three palm trees going for a walk. <laughs> you know why a palm tree doesn't walk? It's planted. Hey, you're hearing me? Oh, I could go, do I dare? Why not? What do I have to lose? Look. Okay. <laughs> Let's do a little history lesson in this house. I, I, I just don't like to, to hide things, okay? I'm not, I, I just, I, I don't like to leave things unsaid when it's in your head anyway. This house has gone through great loss. Huge loss. Great believers left. No indictment against them. But here's the deal. When you're intimate with Jesus and you're planted in the house of the Lord, you don't walk. You don't walk. And the problem, here's the problem, here's the problem. And it's not that you wouldn't, you know, there's sometimes God will lead us someplace else. I'm not against that. In fact, you know, that's great. I will applaud you. One, one dear person out of here came and we were leaving the church and I said, well, let me pray for you and let me bless you. They looked at me and I said, yeah, I want to bless you because you're going to need it. <laughs> it says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord. To be planted in the house of the Lord doesn't mean to be stuck in the house of the Lord. <laughs> There's a big difference between being stuck and planted. Planted means I've got roots that are going down and I'm not just, I'm not just drawing from Jesus, but I, I, my roots are down in the soil where I'm eating the same thing as the other palm trees. Psalms 1 put it this way, you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water. There, there's a planting that takes... But what happens when I'm planted? What happens to my life? I begin, that says, I flourish... 
he, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. And where is it that they flourish? In the courts of the Lord. Now, what's the difference between the house of the Lord and the courts of the Lord? The house of the Lord is, is, I would call it his church, but there's another place. The courts of the Lord are that place of intimacy and worship, you know, that we come into. The courts was right before the Holy of Holies. You want to, and let me tell you something, if you didn't flourish in the court, you didn't flourish in the Holy of Holies. And it says here, those who are planted in the house of the Lord are going to flourish in the courts of the Lord. One of the reasons we have trouble with worship right now is that some of our roots were pulled up. And what God's wanting to do is tap those roots down, let you get down deep again and start drinking water. And I want you to hear what I'm about to tell you. Just because somebody fails you doesn't mean what they told you was wrong. Had some, I've had some people come to me, oh, so-and-so counseled me, and the pastor did this. Or, I don't care. Doesn't mean that what they, did, they told you was wrong. God's Word never returns void. If it's His Word, it's His Word. See, you know, I said, well, we heard all these prophecies, and we, we had a guy, pastor who was prophetic. And, hey, let me tell you something. Don't blame the pastor that the prophetic words didn't come true. Most of the time we interpret the prophetic out of our own desires, not out of the desires of the heart of God. So we hear a prophetic word over us and our desires raise up and go, yeah, I want that. Really? Well, here's what the desire was in the heart of God when he spoke it was totally different than your desire. So when I'm planted in the house of the Lord, I'm going to flourish in the courts of the Lord. There's going to be a... The, to flourish means I blossom. I grow. I, you know what? By this time next year, if you will plant yourself right now in the house of the Lord, stick all the doubts away, plant yourself, by next, this time next year, you will have blossomed. Because I got a, I got a little secret for you. That's not a secret, but it's the truth. Coming to the church soon. I'm not going to get off of this. There is a move of God coming that is going to absolutely blow the church up, out, and not all churches are going to experience it. So we're working like crazy right now to position this church. It may not feel like revival yet. It might feel kind of teachy and preachy or whatever. It's coming. We're getting your bucket ready. And one of the things you've got to do is you've got to get in your brain, I'm going to be planted. I don't care what the outside is saying to me. I don't care what... Can, can I be honest again? I don't care what former attenders are telling me. I'm planted in the house of the Lord. I believe that God called me here. I believe that God's going to use me. I believe that God's going to do something great. He's the same God that He was nine years ago. And He's the same God I'm serving right now. And so I'm going to stay planted. I'm going to start letting my roots start drawing fresh faith again. There needs to be, I'll tell you what, in this house there needs to be a baptism of faith into your life right now. Some of you just need faith to get up in the morning right now. Well, let me tell you something. There's a life beyond you getting up. 
And so it says here you'll flourish, and then it says you'll bear fruit. When you're planted in the house of the Lord, you'll bear fruit. I don't know how this applies spiritually, but you, you, you know what? One of the things that my wife doesn't like about the Palm Desert area and the Chukila Valley there is this. It has bats. You know why there's tons of bats? Because there's dates in the trees. Those are date palms. And these bats, you know, the sun starts going down and she thinks they like her hair. And so we can, I said, let's go for a walk. I can't. They'll dive bomb my hair. And I tell her, say, like, I'll ask her, what? They got walkie-talkies? Hey, the blonde lady in Unit 512 is out. Bombers on alert. Bombers on alert. Lady in 512 out walking around. Looks like a head we can hit. I tell her, there's no walkie. She's, well, they got sonar. I said, well, radar, you know. But here's the deal. Those bats are there because of the dates. Those trees... Now, now and I want to tell you something. You think, and, 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 and you think, well, I, I, I want my life to bear fruit. Really? Do you? Then there's going to be some bats. There's going to be some stuff that's going to come with bearing fruit. If it ain't bats, it's flies. Come on. If it's not flies, it's some other critter. But you know what? I would rather... Bill came to me a couple of weeks ago and he quoted Proverbs 14, I'm thinking 9, that is 14.4. He says, listen, the scripture says, if there's no oxen in the stall, it's clean. And I said, well, we got oxen, trust me. We got oxen. How many of you know that if you're going to bear fruit, but if I'm planted in the house of the Lord, if I'm committed to not being isolated, if I'm committed to no idleness, if I'm committed to, to no independence, and I'm planted in the Lord, fruit's going to happen. I'm going to blossom, I'm going to flourish, and then there's going to be fruit. Now, along with the fruit, there's going to be some issues. But I'd rather have the issues and the fruit than no fruit at all. Jesus walks around the fig tree a few times, it's not been bearing fruit. And he says, okay, you got one year. We're going to fertilize this thing. We're going to work on it. He says, if I come back in a year and that tree's it, we're going to curse it and it's going to die. So I, I kind of think I'd rather have fruit. Just... Now look at this. They shall bear fruit. And notice it says when you're going to bear fruit. Now, I want everybody in this room, you're all old. Well, a few of you, well, Jerry and Amber, you're just the peak of youth. But uh, she's very smart, this girl, because she went to the same high school. I think we're close. Graduating classes are close to you know. I don't even think they had electronics when I graduated. <laughs> but here's the deal. My heart, I want you to hear my heart. March 14th was, is going to be a vision Sunday. It's going to be a Sunday that's going to rock your world. Trust me. Um, we are working like crazy right now and getting prepared. Because I'm going to share a three-year vision that God gave me for our church. 
that I think is going to surprise you. But as we are, as I'm going through this, my heart is for the 20-something. I just, and it's not just because of a particular age. I realize if the church doesn't reach the 35 and under generation now, not only will the church be in trouble, but our culture will continue to disintegrate if we don't do something now. And I looked at myself in the mirror and I, and I say this to God. I said, God, why didn't you speak this word to me? You know, 20 years ago I had the energy. You know, it's like, wow, I mean, you're really picking up the old war horses here. You know, you're kind of like... And this scripture is on my wall. My daughter Jennifer gave it to me one year for my birthday. And I keep this on my wall for this one part. When you're planted in the house of the Lord, you're going to flourish and bear fruit in old age. I tell you something. There's some 20-something ministers in this room right now. And you might be old, but I'm going to tell you something about that culture right now. You know why these kids are around all the time? Because they got a mom and a dad and the pastors and people. They're craving love. They're craving attention. So you know what? If I'm planted in the house of the Lord, I'm stable, steady, sturdy, seeking and, and bringing up the, the, the life of God into my, my life and there's fruit. Guess what? I'm going to bear fruit in my old age. I have started praying for a a college campus right now. I'm not going to go into it right at the moment. But I've been praying over this campus and I'm going to tell you something. If I told you, you would laugh in my face. But you know what? In old age, I've told my kids, when I go, I'm going out with my boots on. I'm just kind of a John Wayne guy like that. You know, like, you know, I'm going out with my boots on. You know, his last movie, The Shootist, you know, that's me. I'm going out with my boots on. And we gotta, you got to get this into your heart. Some of you have quit at 40. Some of you quit at 35. Some of you quit at 45. Some of you quit at 50 thinking, well, I'll just finish out my job and I'll retire. I don't even like to hear the word retire. When I can't do this anymore, we'll get a nice young guy up here to teach you and preach to you and I'll be the usher but I'm going out with, you see, in, when you're planted, you're planted. You're planted. And look what it says. And it says you'll be fresh. Now that doesn't mean a fresh mouth. You'll be fresh. That means your life won't be stale. You know why some of you are stale? You're in isolation. You've not hung out with anybody in the church for a long time. And you come and you kind of greet them. And you even got a limp handshake. Hi. Hi. You're, you're, you're stale. You know, you know what keeps me fresh? Is grandkids. The five-year-old grandson, I tell you, I'm in intercession all the time. It keeps me fresh with the Lord. Because his mom will call and go, he did what? Really? How much will that cost? You know, I mean, it's, it, 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 is, it, is, it is crazy, friends, to get to this point of staleness. And it says, if I'm planted in the house of the Lord, I'm going to be fresh. Why? Because you and I keep each other fresh. 
You ever, you ever gone and visited, you know, that old uncle or aunt that doesn't like anybody and, and is by themselves all the time? Anybody got one of those? You notice that they do usually smell bad? And you, you walk in their house and you go, whoa, mothball city. And then you, then you get near them and you realize they're bathing in it. They took a shower with moth. I mean, how many of you know what I'm saying? There's nothing fresh there. You know why? They've been in isolation and there's nobody around to hint to them, you stink. Bath time. Come on. See, and that's what happens when you're in isolation. You're no longer fresh. You can stale and stinky. But God wants you to be planted in the house of the Lord. Why? So that you can be flourishing. You can be fresh. You can be bearing fruit. And then that's when you can start making declarations. Let me tell you something. God's been speaking this so strongly to my heart. He wants the church to quit explaining things and start declaring things. (laughs) Let me give you a good example. How many of you believe in the healing of the sick? We can lay hands on the sick. Why do we have to explain that? Why can't we just demonstrate it? Well, you know, Isaiah 53 says he was wounded for... Sit down. You who are sick, come here. (laughs) Whoa, they're healed. Now, check this out. Does it work or does it work? It's a declaration. When you're planted in the house of God, you begin to flourish. You begin to bear fruit. And then comes the declaration. And the declaration, he says here, look at this. Look what he says the declaration is. To declare that the Lord is upright and He is my rock. I begin to declare, you know what? God is right. And He's my rock. I'm standing on Him. The economy might be bad. My family might be goofed up. Things just might be just crazy. But the Lord's my rock. Where does that come? When you walked in the door today, some of you were depressed. But when you're leaving here this morning, you're going to go out fresh. You know why? Because God is doing something in your heart right now. Now very quickly, go to Hosea 2, verse 14. And we're going to, fi- we're going to finish this up because... Next week, don't miss Roger Hillegas. I'm telling you, don't miss this guy. He's going to speak to you on the spiritual differences between a man and a woman and bring it right into what the Holy Spirit wants to speak to this congregation, and you're going to love it. Roger's, by the way, just to give you an idea, Roger is old and blind. He seriously is blind. And uh, he will rock your world. I guarantee you he will rock your world. Those of you that have, have heard him before in our church, he will rock your world. He's just, he'll sit on a stool up here and he will rock your world. And um, he spent his last few years in Belgium and in China just teaching the gospel. Just teaching the gospel. Now, therefore, behold, I will allure her. Allure means to speak to the heart to woo, to speak words to your heart that will draw you away from, from the party into the privacy of the garden, the wilderness. Allure means to be spacious, to be wide open. Allure, it can relate to the immature or simple who is open to all kinds of enticement. Some people are easily allured by the world stuff. Uh, allure means 
the actual word here, the definition I like the best, it means I open. And so when he says, I'm going to allure you, what he's saying is, I'm going to open you up. I'm going to open you up. Now, this only happens when you are come to a place where you want to be intimate with the Lord. He begins to allure you. And by the way, to be allured by God has nothing to do with your current condition. I, I, okay. We got to deal with this religious stuff. Oh, I just Sometimes it just gets so icky. Okay. Everybody look up here. <laughs> How many think it would be stupid to ha- take a shower to take a shower? Do you see any goofiness in that? Well, I'm, I'm going to go take a shower so I can take a shower. That's just foreign to me. And some of you try to get clean before you come to God. You need to stop it. And you just need to come to God. But you see, pride and arrogance in a religious spirit will say, yeah, but, <laughs> you know, I remember Pastor Jack Hayford explained this one time. He said, listen, guys. He says, there are going to be times that you're going to come into the throne room of God as you've been out pastoring and working hard. And he says, you're going to come in and you're going to start worshiping God and you're going to suddenly be realizing that on your, your robe of righteousness, you've got a little hot dog mustard here, a little relish. You've got a spaghetti stain. You've, you've been out there in the world and there's stuff all over you. He says, God doesn't prohibit you coming in to his presence that way. He'll just wash you as you come in. But he says, the devil will tell you, don't go in with stains. That's backwards because Hebrews 4.16 says, it's because of His blood that I can enter boldly into the throne room of what? Grace. So what is this deal that I have to get perfect to come to God? I come to God and let His grace put me in the position of encountering Him. And some of you have got this, this religious legalism crud all over you where you think it's got to be just perfect to come to God. I think God's looking for people who are so desperate for Him that they come in looking like Brian did this morning. Muddy boots and all, and they come in and they say, God, I just need you. And God goes, cool, let's take a shower. But here's the... Do I dare say it? Okay. Here it comes. Invite your friends who still go here and used to go here to listen to this part. (laughs) They're going to love it. Guaranteed, they're going to hate me when I say this. I've discovered something in the last few months between the the divide of the Columbia River. Want to know what it is on the south and on the... You know what the difference is? Are you ready? I'm going to hide back here because you're going to throw stuff. The South Side, after years of teaching them, we, we have people that come into our church and people who go to our church all the time that will be very upfront with you about their issues. If they're, if they're messing around in sin, they'll tell you, yeah, been really having a hard time with this, and they'll talk about it. Yes. So we're never, we're never uptight about it. It is what it is, you know. Uh, we pray for them, get them the word, move them on. We've taught them that hiddenness is death. 
Now over here, you guys are, you are really nice looking. You have everything seemingly in order. But the truth is, lift up the carpet a little bit and the same cockroaches run out on this side that are running out on that side. And a cockroach is a cockroach. Cockroaches don't look, oh, it's a palace, I'll go away. No. We need to get honest with ourselves and with one another about our issues and start asking Jesus to clean us up from the inside out. Only a Pharisee worries about the outside of the cup. People, get, I, I, people used to get real crossways with me because, man, you're the same at church as you are at home. Uh-huh. Come hang out with me. If I run you over in the parking lot... It's, I'm running people over in the, another parking lot. It doesn't matter what parking lot, I'll run you over. I mean, I, I am what I am. And I, but there's a freshness, friends, that comes with being who you are. And fake is not good. I want the real deal. I want the reality. The people that mentored me taught me, be who you are. And you know what? We got thousands of churches today that say, come join us, but you got to be like who we are. I don't want to pastor that kind of church, friends. I don't want to go to that kind of church. I want a church that says Jesus is going to make us who we are and he's going to take our individual. You know what? We're working on some stuff right now. It's going to shock you. I hope you don't mind dancing in the house of the Lord because it's coming. I've got a couple gals now that are starting to put together a dance troupe. It's coming. See, some of you go, well, we've never done it that way before. Get over your big bad self. We've got to understand something. God wants to open us up. And there needs to be an honesty as I come to God. This is who I am. God, fix me from the inside out. Jesus said, listen, they're white and sepulchers. They clean the outside of the cup. But inside the cup, it's just snakes and nasty stuff. I don't want to, I would rather have the outside of my cup a little smudged and have it clean on the inside. I'm not caring. As the older I get, the worse it is. I'm getting to the point, I don't care what you say about me. I care what he says about me. Because guess what? I'm not standing before you. I'm standing before Him. Guess what? You didn't give me eternal life. He gave me eternal life. And you've got to get a little bit of chip on your shoulder, church, where you just begin to say, I'm going after Jesus. I don't care how ugly I am or how ugly it looks. I'm going to have His presence. I'm going to have His life in me. And I don't care who says it. I don't care who sees what's here. And there needs to be something break in us. That says, you know what? I'm a believer of Jesus first. You can mock me. You can make fun of me. You can, you can call me a hypocrite. I've had people call me a hypocrite. How can you, you do that? And Hey, back off. You didn't save me. I didn't see you shed your blood for me. But when I go to the Lord, He corrects me. And while he's correcting me, he's at the same telling time telling me, I delight in you, son. You really make me happy. Yes. I had to go years in my life, friends, years.
years of thinking God was always mad at me. And when God flipped the switch in me that says, I'm not mad at you, I delight in you. Did you know that, you know what, how many of you would like to see deliverance in the house of God? You know what, deliverance doesn't come from a prey in a special way. You know what the base of deliverance is? God says, I deliver you because I delight in you. <laughs> oh man. Forget the notes for a minute. Go, go, go. Let's take a trip real quick. Then we'll quit. Go to Isaiah. This, can I show you my private devotions for a minute? Real private. Here we go. Isaiah chapter, let me find it. Oh, this is good. The Lord draw. Oh, chapter 62. We're going to end with this. This is how God allures us. Isaiah 62, verse 4. You shall no longer be termed forsaken. I was in prayer the other day. Some of the decisions we're making and things are going, and I, I'm wrestling with God. I'm saying, God, I gotta hear Your voice. I gotta have a clear voice, you know. And God has God has dropped some things in my heart and what He wants to accomplish. And I'm going, Yeah, that's really good, God. Those are great things. But first of all, God, we need a building buildings, we need money, we need money, we need people, you know, and, and, and uh, you just, and then God drops us, he says, you will, you shall no longer be termed forsaken, nor shall your land anymore be termed desolate, but you shall be called <laughs> Hepzibah. You know what that word means? It literally means my delight. You shall be called my delight and your land, Beulah, for the Lord delights in you and your land shall be married. Wow. God delights in you. Sweetie, God delights in you. Nick, God delights in you. He really, He looks at you and goes, I love that kid. He delights in you. Lisa, he delights in you. He has, he, Warren, I know it's hard for you to fathom this, but God delights in you. He, he doesn't see you as, as, as who you are on the job. He sees your heart. See, that's if I could get to you. You're all stuck in this thing of this outside. What do people think? Let me tell you what God thinks. God doesn't look on the outward appearance, but God is a chaser of the heart. And He's chasing this church's heart. And He will chase after it and chase after it, and He's going to get it. He's going to have the heart of the church. And what every demon in hell thought a year and a half, two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, all the seeds, I want to, I just, I, I just, this is just, can you go play? I need to get this out in the air because I want you to put your Bibles aside for a moment. I got to get, I felt this yesterday and I thought, God, I kind of always know how many people are going to be at church. That's just kind of my thing. Uh, God, do you really want to waste that word? And God says, get it out in the air. 
You need to understand, church, God has not been surprised by the last couple years. It didn't catch him by shock. Hear me. The enemy set traps, set little bombs here. When there was pastoral failure in the house, when there was moral failure in the house, when all these things that went off in the last three, four years, you know something, God was not going, I'm caught off guard. But God was saying, okay, I have a plan. I spoke that plan at the beginning. I'm God. I don't change. And I'm going to bring this thing to its fullness. I'm going to see that I, God, started it. It'll be up to me to finish it. That's why we can say He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. And here's what I've learned. It's not the end till He says it's the end. And I want you to know all that the enemy has meant for evil, God is going to turn for good. True Life Church, they're going to say about this church, I thought it was going under. There are voices out there right now that have left this house that say it's going to go under. I got news for them. God says it's not going to go under. God's going to raise up in the heart of people. You know what? There's going to be healing ministries flowing out of here. There's going to be deliverance ministries flowing out of here. The Sundays are going to come when worship is going to be so intense that, you know what, we're going to be like in in the Old Temple, in the Old Testament, that the priests could not stand to minister because of the heaviness of the cloud. I want to get that out in the atmosphere, friends. I want to get it into your head. It's coming. But right now, the time is to plant yourself in the house of the Lord. Get those roots down. Because it's coming. <laughs> I was driving the other day out in this area. And the Lord reminded me, see, when I was a kid, I grew up in Longview. And I was a kid, we played all the Vancouver schools in sports. And it was just when Evergreen was starting to be, that's how old I am, when Evergreen was starting to be a high school and... I remember, I, you know, I played in Kiggins Bowl over here, Hudson's Bay, and all this stuff. I, I know this area. And I'm driving along and see God's having to do a transfer work in my heart. There's some things going on. I'm, and I, I remember playing Evergreen High School. I remember the school and everything. And, and I thought, well, God, why are you bringing that memory? And it was like God was reminding me, remember, Steve, I'm the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end and your path your journey I've brought you through these places before so you'd remember and you'd see what I'm going to do now let me tell you something some of you in this room have written yourself off you've written the church off you've written leadership off because you've been wounded because you've been hurt I want you to know that that is just the enemy God sees you and he says Hepzibah He says, you're my delight. You're my delight. I want you just to stand for a moment. Just keep playing, angels. Keep playing. God is wanting to bring the prophetic back to the church in a very strong, strong way, back to this local church. But before He does that, He's going to deal with our desires. Because he wants us to quit interpreting things by our desires and start interpreting by his heart. 
I wish I could, I wish I could show you how much God is after you. Because last night, the reason, one of the reasons that in the revival at IHOP that they were praying for Oregon and Washington is there's a young lady there who's spending four to eight hours a day on her face before God praying for her dad and her mom and for you. And now she went to she called Brian last night and says, Brian, I've told people to start praying and they're praying and it came out over the mic in front of millions of people last night praying for Oregon and Washington and praying for our colleges and praying for our church. If you only knew the good things that a good God has for you, you would flip out. I just want you to simply take your hands and just form a cup this morning and say, God, I'm ready to receive. I I know I may have some mustard on my robe and some ketchup, a little relish, and there's my peanut butter sandwich from the other day, and there's some mud on the bottom of it, but I'm just going to come to you as I am because I trust you. Crystal, just come to him as you are. Come on. And I want you to just begin to talk to God. Just begin to say, God, I'm coming to you.